American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. See, when you get both of them (laughs) to write together, you get something great. Get the heart and the cannon. This is a perfect follow-up after the hilarious episode (laughs) that came prior. Definitely feels like a direct tonal continuation. (laughs) It is the same show, right? (laughs) I'm not not missing something. I think Rick Famuyiwa is my favorite Mandalorian director. Oh, for sure. He's been really consistent. The first 10 to 15 minutes, I found myself a little bit on guard. Sure. <laughs> I was like, of course. Don't don't let it down just yet, man. Let's just wait out the rest of this goes. So every it, once in a while, a show knows how to wrap it up in two episodes. How <laughs> <laughs> does cram the entire then, story uh, you were hoping for I into just, the two? <laughs> just remember in the last season of Game of Thrones being like, okay, we're the danger zone here. But no, they are pulling it back. All right, guys. Disney Star Wars back on top. <laughs> they did it. <laughs> <laughs> Ratings are through the roof. <laughs> the now company that, is safe. The company's safe. Everything's fine. I'm excited about those announcements. Glad that's over. Bob Iger wrote this episode. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought this was a great episode. I thought that they did it, all the things that you would want from a solid Mandalorian episode. Um, you know, I wish studios would just cooperate and not drop things so early in the morning on Tuesdays. And then, because then we got to shoot this at midnight. <laughs> But if it's like 5.30 in the morning, <laughs> fine, I feel Greg. like I'm going to be especially loopy during this discussion right now. <laughs> sure. We got to Just be pre- pre- prepared. I got to conserve energy for the edit tonight. Trust um, But no, I thought this was a fantastic. <laughs> it just felt like this wave, like, oh, zoning out. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Let's lock and load. Let's go. Get that G um, yeah, I thought that this episode was directed wonderfully. I mean, the, the second episode and this one are easily my favorites of the season so far. Mm. And it's funny that they both take place on Mandalore. I feel like this is where they care the most. And everything from the sound design and the atmosphere building and just the overall mood, you know, like you you get a sense of the forlorn history with the other characters that you're picking up with as well. I thought it was it had a, a, a real like mood about it that uh, I, I could and that's all you could really ask for sometimes. Like if you don't have time to like get into the specifics and the exposition of these characters, sometimes all you need is just capturing the right essence to know, OK, I understand the experience prior to this while you're giving me the exposition of what going went on. Like, to yeah. me, some people are fine when it comes to, I got context, and I like context. And to me, I'm like, well, I I personally need context, and 
good filmmaking, and good storytelling, and <laughs> well written dialogue. And, you know, I need I need all that. <laughs> all I don't, I don't understand why because sometimes people can just like look past all that and just go, I love what the context is good, <laughs> you know. And yeah. I thought to me this and really encompassed all that. Like Moff Gideon, I remembered feeling uh, towards the end of season two, he just started feeling a little campy, started feeling a little goofy. Uh, like I, I've always liked Giancarlo Esposito, yeah. But here, it brought it brought back that menace, you know, that he you, you felt when he first showed up in this series, yeah. You know, when he first showed up on Navarro, and here I thought they really brought it back. But yeah, yeah. I, I, when we saw the chicken restaurant while they were flying in, I was like, oh man, this is gonna get real this is good. <laughs> tie into everything I've been waiting for it to tie into. Los Manos, Mandos, Hermanos. <laughs> but I, I feel like we all love this episode, right? For the most part, uh, yeah. I mean, it was it, it was a wonderful return to exactly why we love the Mandalorian, but also like it took that really big leap forward that I, I've been waiting for for a long time now, where it needed to capture that essence of something bigger and it was a really hard transition for them this season and this was the first episode where i thought they really really stuck the landing in, in making that transition uh it, it in mandalore you have this setting that is both ancient and apocalyptic yeah. and and it's textured and it feels different from everything else we've seen but it it to your point it's so lived in um and and it's really the first time that uh, I'm just like really. I believe what's happening. Uh, yeah, which is just a wonderful feeling. Yeah, because I've had my complaints about the way some of the visuals are done in this season, and this episode was an ex like the same thing with the second episode. Yeah, it's where, where they like, put the budget. I don't <laughs> feel that I feel. Uh, uh, this reminds me of like the first second season, a little bit more of that mm -hmm. gritty tone. Uh, but let's dive into some specifics, John. I'm going to set you up for success here. <laughs> Are you feeling about Thrawn? <laughs> so <laughs> excited <laughs> to see his blue ass show up. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm curious, though, just really quick. Like, for so I'll, I'll, I'll be through all this shit when Ahsoka drops. Like, there's other, there's other Thrawn, I mean, like, there's been Rebels and all that, uh, but did you, how, how do you feel as someone who is not informed on Thrawn? Mm. How, how, do you th how do you feel as a viewer here sitting going, they're building up this guy, mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're building up another big bad. I, I mean, it's only as good to me as the episode is because, yeah, not having, I mean, I've seen Admiral Thrawn, Grand Admiral Thrawn. I don't have much direct experience. So, yeah, I mean, to me, it's sort of like, okay, we're just building up another big bad who I understand already has a reputation. So, like, I'm here for it. I'm with it. Um, and now it just all, most of my association with what they're doing with that is based on what I have heard from people up until now. And they haven't really done anything to make me go, I don't think this throne stuff's going to pan out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I like seeing them, you know, bicker about like, well, where is he now? You know, like if he is such a, a big player in this operation and if we're all going to reestablish the, the hold of the empire, why isn't he showing up? Why all the secrecy? And uh, and yeah, I think that's a nice way to draw that mm. tension out for a viewer like me who's like, I keep hearing about this guy. Where is he? What's <laughs> he gonna do? Um, but yeah, I mean, he certainly seems like a convincingly foreboding presence up till now, and I think it's good that they reestablished Moff Gideon as a formidable presence as well, and a presence who is like steps ahead of the game and is yeah. like you know really cunning yeah. and crafty and and a self-anointed rival, sure. uh, yeah. which is something that like as we delve into the Imperial Remnant. I think that's just one of the really fun parts of it is, you know, all, all 
season we've been hearing about these imperial warlords and then to discover you know with the shadow council that there is that kind of concerted effort but between that you've got a lot of egomaniacs all vying for control yeah, sure. uh and nobody that quite fits into the emperor's slippers well uh, i've been reading the I've been reading the Heir to the Empire uh, comic adaptation, and I've been reading the Thrawn comic adaptation as well. <laughs> Blushing. That makes me so Don't happy. tell me to read the goddamn novel. Oh, I want the pictures. Uh, so <laughs> I have a YouTube want, version of I want the kids. No, no, no I need to read it. <laughs> I, need, I, don't, I don't know I need, how to read it. I need crack. to feel like I, I, need to feel like I accomplished <laughs> something. <laughs> so, um, and I've been reading that, and it is interesting, like, when you're, when especially reading the Thrawn arc, and then you're getting Moth Gideon here, where you see how Thrawn is, is always is this master strategist who can rise through the ranks and piss off all the wrong people. Uh, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and you got someone like Moff who resembles that so much of, you know, you guys keep wanting him, but I'm better. I'm, you know, like, where's <laughs> yeah. he? You know, where's <laughs> I'm, he? I'm here. Uh, you guys keep wanting that Thrawn, but where's he? You know? <laughs> I'm the one but, taking showers with the living water as <laughs> <and> a <the laughs> Mandalore. But, she, but yeah. knowing the, the, I mean, obviously, you know so much. We've re actually read the novels and shit, yeah. uh, but knowing so much more about Thrawn, but with the limited information that I have on him, uh, it, I love knowing that, oh, but he's just... He's just building it up in the shadows right now. <laughs> well, I mean, I think what I'm most excited about for those who haven't read the books or, or comics or, or even seen Rebels is that Thrawn is, of, of all Star Wars villains, the most complex and interesting, mm -hmm. and I would argue might not even be a villain. Uh, which he doesn't come across that way. No, I, well, <laughs> it, as, as you kind of get the bigger picture, uh, which is beginning to come into focus. Uh, I did think what was really interesting is uh, the fellow that was in the Shadow Council talking about Thrawn. Uh, so he was part of the Seventh Fleet, and he was actually, that was Thrawn's really big armada. And when Thrawn fundamentally disappeared from the known galaxy, uh, that was the last time, unless they have some way to communicate, which I don't know or think they do based on, on where Thrawn ended up. Uh, and so... That speaks a lot about Thrawn. It's been a long time since he, he went MIA. So uh, it was also, it was great seeing Hux. Uh, that was uh, General Hux's his dad, uh, which is really Oh, cool. holy shit, okay. really? And, and, so and poof, went over my no, head. No, well, and that's okay, Greg. Uh, and it was played by uh, his brother. Oh, Brian. really? Yeah, yeah which Brian is really, really smart casting. Uh, that's fun. Yeah, no, uh, it was. It's really nice to see that. I'm really curious how they tie it in because canonically, Hux follows a, a different wing that ends up becoming the New Order. And I'm, I'm really. I hope that we get to explore the Imperial infighting a little sure. bit more in the next. I'm all about that Hux. That's where I've been championing for. I want more <laughs> Hux. All right, so we got some things to really touch on though. Yeah. Uh, Vizsla dying uh, was. Kind of expected, I guess. I was, it was down to two people for me. <laughs> Somebody's gonna die. I was like, one of, one of the two. It just seemed yeah. right. It's, the show seemed like it was gonna be one of those two. Nah, yeah. he's coming back. Uh, and then <laughs> he did have an epic death. Yeah. And I thought I cared more about his death than I expected because Vizsla, while I, I think always had a, a great brooding presence about mm -hmm. himself. Uh, I've I've never been like the most emotionally invested in the guy. I feel yeah. like the show tried giving us an effort by being like, he's got a kid. He's a dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, feel. it's like, oh, there <laughs> is a guy underneath the yeah. tough exterior, yeah. underneath the helmet and all that shit. Yeah, yeah, and then the way he, like, comes around as someone who's closed off, but then will show his support in a way where you might not most expect it. 
they've they've had that with his character and he's yeah. had some real badass scenes and, and I thought he had a great way to to go out, you yeah. know. You gotta say well, this is the way twice. Pretend <laughs> true. And I think the use of the Praetorian guards to take him down was really, really honorable. Uh, yeah. Like, especially when we had that moment uh, after the Imperial Super Commandos, Death Troopers, uh, got their asses he's, handed he's to said them. He said the troopers, was it just really quick, was mm-hmm. Moff Gideon saying that uh, his suit is in Beskar or the troopers' suits are in Beskar? The, the troopers' suits the troopers are in Beskar. Are, the troopers are also yeah. in Beskar. Which, okay. which started when they recruited Gar Saxon and, and the Imperial Super Commandos who are bad Mandalorians. Uh, and so... <laughs> Bad <laughs> How do I sum this up in a great? Yeah. <laughs> the bad, bad Mandalorians, the not nice ones. Um, yeah, no, I that thought was that was established that was in the show in Rebels. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, the uh, uh, Gar Saxon <laughs> from Clan Saxon from House Vizsla. Come on, yeah. Anyway, uh, but him and his brother end up getting. Well, I'm not gonna spoil. It. It's fine. Uh, but this is what's left of them, um, and it was really, really cool to see oh, that yeah. live action adaptation. Uh, and to see that they've moved fully on to Beskar. Uh, something that I'm, I'm curious if it will get brought up or if they're just going to leave it in the, in the, in the past is uh, Sabine Wren's Duchess that she built that was the, the Imperial weapon designed to attack Beskar. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that. Yeah, uh, it was terrifying. <laughs> I, was like, I remember that. What, what in the Thanos <laughs> snap is this? But, yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I'm curious to see what other elements they'll, they'll pull from there. Um, but also the bow revelation uh, about surrendering to Moff Gideon really, oh, really hitting the field. <laughs> yeah. I thought of a physical bow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All like, that archery in this like, episode. What are you talking about? <laughs> 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 well, for the Bad Batch fans, Omega. Yeah, Omega. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that was surprising because I think a lot of us thought that he challenged her and she lost. No, no, no way, no. She would have to die then, right? What no, I mean you can, you, you can, you can, you can just yield. yield. Yes, fuck. They talked about that. We've too. been here. This is right. what I was worried about, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, okay. Um, this is the way. This yeah. is the way. I I do appreciate though with with Bo's arc that she's made it abundantly clear that she does not feel the dark saber is a big enough symbol to get all the Mandalorians to stay together. For a moment, I thought it was the Mythosaur, but now I'm realizing it's Grogu's heart. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be the thing to save the day. <laughs> well, they had this. There's been a complaint about the show um, that what? I understand. There's a few. Uh, <laughs> well, one complaint Get is how Din Djarin has, I mean, many episodes even made it more clear. It's this one how, how he has become. Not even really. Sometimes it didn't feel like he's a supporting character. A sometimes simp. Sometimes, it, feel like, sometimes <laughs> it feels like he's just Mandalorian. Yeah. He's just a Mandalorian now. Yeah, he's, he doesn't yeah. feel like the Mandalorian. But yeah. I no, here he is the full-on supporting character um, in a more defined way. Like he mm. is in su- literally in, in support, support. Yeah. for Bo-Katan's leadership. Said, you yeah. have my axe and yeah. my bow. The fellowship of the bow. <laughs> and I per- and I prefer if you're gonna take that direction with him that. I prefer you're going to take a direction with him making a supporting character than you make him the ultimate supporting character. Mm. And I did like the speech that he does give to Bo-Katan. And I do. I would simp them, simplorian with them. I would I would absolutely. There's 
What did I say? You said you would simp them. Son of a bitch. I mean, I would simp for both of You know what? The first five minutes of this talk, I was like, I'm doing all right. You are doing, you are for the most part doing great. You're doing about as well as Mandalorian. They're very close. They're very close. This is like some of the writing of some of the episodes in the season. Yeah, I would absolutely love for them to get it. But it doesn't need to go that way either. Uh, but you do see a bit of a family trio there. She, she, this well, guy's it, always riding on her lap. Uh, well, so. I like the tension that they draw out of that, and I think us sitting here going mm. like, "Okay, what the the armorer, Bo-Katan, what's their whole thing together? Are they on the same page?" And like, I, I like that they ring so much out of that, and things mm. like, "Oh, you know, should Bo-Katan and Dindar right. and be together or anything like that?" Like, they're really good at at ringing yeah. the real tension out of all those different juxtapositions. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. well, they play the audience too in in the same way that. I mean, this whole season has been about Mandalorian's greatest adversary has always been the Mandalorians. And they made us as an audience feel that same way and get super defensive and concerned to be like, well, the armorer is going to kill Bo. Like, yeah. Like, uh, I know the armorer, what she's been saying is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's just been honest. <laughs> Every time they cut away from her, I'm like, oh, I guess she's just doing her thing, and I guess. Yeah. I'm I guess usually not one to be like, huh, that religious zealot's really on to something. Yeah. But in this particular case, they might be. So this was... Uh, this episode had the most, I think, uh, of any of them this season that felt like I was peering onto a, a. It felt the most like a Lord of the Rings style map where you're like, oh, wow, we're finally filling in a part. And I could feel mm. all the other parts kind of alive across the sure. map, but we're not really focusing on those right now. And I thought the way they represented the Imperials, the Mandalorians, all that stuff made the map feel like I, I like a silly last week. I mm. enjoy that for different reasons. But this was the most uh, this season. It's felt like a truly interconnected, big, sprawling world that we're just shining a light on one significant part of that will interconnect with a bunch of other significant parts. Yeah, I do kind of wish that they cut out some other stuff in other episodes because when you have episodes like this it shows you like what they're capable of yeah what the strengths of this show can be and there's been a lot of build-up too especially with these two camps meeting together and didn't really do much with it yeah Uh, i mean it was (laughs) well it it, so many things have had to be rushed because of how much time we've spent in in other places. And they do they do gloss over like they just made, a couple things. Yeah, <laughs> they made good beats out of those tensions in this episode but and a couple other points. Been, but it should have been a it should have been remember the, the titans. <laughs> no, yeah, should've yeah, yeah. Been. Like this season should have like a, a strong side, significant left side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. But instead, we got Grogu too in this, which was yeah. really sweet. So I, I yeah yes. I, I'm I'm completely there with How you. How do you feel about uh, as the no tears as <laughs> Robo Robo which is right Robo Croker? That's a John Robo Grogu. Robo Grogu. How do you feel about a Robo? Grogu. It's about time he got another upgrade. Got a mech suit. He's gonna be it's like literally a the Matrix Revolutions. Yes, Vizsla's gun to IG twelve, and there you go. No, I, oh, I love it. Uh, uh, Grogu's gonna be like a Katamari. Like by the end of the series, he's gonna have his chainmail. He's gonna have like all sorts of different accoutrements from all across the galaxy. He's gonna be like the nexus point of all cultures. It's it's definitely the coolest action figure set that's ever been. Yeah. Made by Star Wars. I mean, listen, if 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 the note was you have to keep Grogu, I can't lie. Like, I'm really happy with the direction that Grogu's going. I wish he was still studying with Luke, but you know, I get it. 
Yeah. Shareholders. All these should just take place on weekends, and then Mando picks them up. Oh, joint, mean, joint custody sounds like a great idea. Yeah, you can't help but sometimes let your mind trail off onto, oh, what this season could have been if it was like you cut back to Grogu once in a while training, and you're seeing like oh. Din dealing with the grief of having to let Grogu go. Yeah, then and then maybe Grogu having like a Luke moment uh, in Return of the Jedi, being or Empire rather, uh, meeting to be like, I need to go rescue my friends. The yeah. Last Jedi, where Luke almost kills him because he's like, <laughs> yeah. way too powerful, kid. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's what like, it, I gotta get out. I'm going back to my other dad. That guy tried to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you thinking? Gro- Grogu ran away and he started the Knights of Ren. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna explain everything yeah. guys everything um, yeah I, th- I think that's a, a neat tie-in i'm happy with robo grogu uh i think that's really cool yeah. the din arc is uh satisfactory enough for me why not i'll I, roll with the fine. punches my my gut says this i think if they're serious about keeping din in a major way he's going to be the one to end up with the mythosaur and I Bo's, hope so. And Bo's yeah. going to keep the dark. I think saber. he deserves it. I, it at least because something. that is a true, like the dark saber means nothing to the yeah. guy. It doesn't. It, yeah. And so to me, I wasn't even like a lot of people were really upset about him, like not. Like, I didn't. I didn't go I, home and be sad. And about I, it. And I, I didn't do that. I didn't even give a shit. Yeah, I was yeah. like more like I, I don't like the way it was executed. They yeah, should have yeah. just but, made him do it in the cave yeah. the first time she saved yeah, him. Yeah, because like it means nothing to him. But the mythosaur yeah. means something to yeah. him and his culture. And and he's yeah. gonna name him Razor Crest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but it does. Like I mean, they they yeah. even brought up the mythosaur uh, way back in. The second episode, at yeah. least. I mean, it's always been around yeah. uh, before, but it's been indoctrinated to the culture and the, and the, and the iconography, all the yeah. imagery, right? Um, but uh, I remember it was Quill who was the first one to mention, like writing the Mythosaur in the second episode. So, yeah, this is something that it's I think has been a foreshadow. If they don't do it, Make freaking Boke. Then, then I'm upset. I don't. Yeah. I don't really care about him yeah, with the dark saber. I, uh, listen, the Mythosaur, Bo, though. I'm, he I'm has happy. To write it. I'm happy for Bo. I love Bo as a character, but like. Let's give Din something. Uh, but the two of them coming together, I mean, that's Where's a... Where's Boba Fett? No, that's a yeah, great question. Yeah, he should question. be helping out. And, yeah, am, or all Bo- of the other friends. I am Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's good. Uh, <laughs> is that no, what, what I want to see is the Tusken Raiders come and help. Uh, yeah. Yeah. With the, Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, and what's your name? Uh, and Fennec Shan. Shan. No, no, no. The, the, oh, my goodness. Our wonderful, who built him the Starfighter, uh, Pel- Oh, Pelly Pelly Mott. Thank you. Of course. Name is Derek's my girl. Yeah, uh, no, that's what I'm saying. I think she's the one that saves them in the end. Pelly Let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Pelly uh, and Babu Frick will come in. All right, guys. Well, <laughs> what did you think? What did yeah. you think? <laughs> what are your theories for how the finale is going to go down? Uh, I thought this was a good... The, I, still, yeah, I still personally prefer the second episode. Yeah. No, me too. This is Although like my second favorite. Of the, the that was the cave episode, back and forth. You right? just had so much yeah. more possibility ahead of you during that second episode. Well, yeah, it was I, like I think really that's the contained. thing. We're like, wow, if this whole season's going to be this, this is going <laughs> to be this. It's going to be sick. <laughs> oh, wait. To let's do wait a four <laughs> episodes <laughs> off. Come back. And we'll get to the yeah. business. Now, okay. I, I have to say, I still don't think that that alleged Imperial spy is bad. Sure. Why not? I think she's a good character and that love I, is love. I, I, I hope think she is. so. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, what did you think about this episode? Leave your thoughts down below. You can go grab yourself 
a Last Daddy shirt. Do it. And it's really nice. Hey, let's end this with a Patreon. <laughs> Mikhail Linden. Mikhail, you're from Sweden. You know what I found out about Swedish people recently? Oh. Mm. They get, like, so much paid time off. Mm. Oh, yeah. They, they work people like people. In you get like you get weeks. What kind of communist they, nonsense they, is that, John? They make sure you get, like, at least a month off, and you get really good pay for it. And mm. they, in, they, they kind of enforce that you relax. They're does, like, don't does, work does too much. Does that mean that the real rejects is subsidized by the Swedish government? So, Mikhail... <laughs> I want you to use. I want you to use your vacation money to up your pledge right now, mm. yeah. because that's the American attitude. Sure, mm. investment, capitalism, invest in us, and then not see a profit return. Nope. Yeah. Nope. And, and at the real, the real rejects, American way. we don't treat people like people. No, there's no need for that. <laughs> no need for that bullshit around nah, here, Mikhail. Nah, nah. Mikhail, come on. What are you doing with that vacation money? Sleep. Recycle the money back into us. Inflation's high. We need while yeah. you're vacationing, we're working. Yeah. So come on, man. Send those good, good euros. Up the attitude a little bit here in a more positive direction. Attitude increases altitude, or whatever the phrase is. What does it say? You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Michael mm -hmm. Scott, Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> 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 but Mikhail, thank you so much for being part of our page, my friend. I hope you are enjoying. You're non-word, and I hear that even when you're actually working, you're just like smoking hookah. And uh, just, <laughs> even prison's uh, nice there. Even prison, even people want to go to prison. Yeah. Everyone goes to prison. No one works, and somehow the country just runs on its own. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Mikhail. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Were they shot? Were they shot? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.